Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. It's a Tuesday here on, well, everywhere, on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Trent Condon and myself, Miller and Condon, with you for the next couple of hours, talking sports with you and localizing it every opportunity that we get, and we will do that here today. Coming up uh, of the first of our guests will be Eric Heft, the analyst for men's basketball and football, but we will talk uh, Iowa State and Big 12 basketball with Eric Heft coming up here in about 20 minutes or so. Look forward to that conversation uh, each and every time today being no different. Shelby Mast, he's Gannett's bracketologist. You can find his daily update at bracketwag.com. He joins Trent and I every Tuesday at about 1045 right through the uh, selection Sunday, the Tuesday following and then periodically throughout the uh, couple of weeks as we run to the final four. But Shelby Mass will be here. Big movement from this past week. Who went up? Who went down? Who left the bracket? Who came in? Shelby Mass coming up at 1045. John Miller HawkeyeNation.com. Straight up 11 o'clock. We will take a look uh, at the Hawkeyes with John I know him and Dace just did their, um, what do they call their podcast, Trent? Bigger 10? There's two of them that they do. They do the Hawkeye Nation podcast and also the Bigger 10 podcast with an all-encompassing look at the league. Uh, well, well, we'll pick John's brain. I know he posted one of them. He'll be on by at 11 o'clock. I thought he made a really good point. We, we seem to look at this Hawkeye team differently um, today. Well, certainly yesterday than we did on Saturday because Minnesota hadn't happened yet, and a lot of people's opinion uh, on the Hawks seem to have changed after the uh, uh, sojourn to Minneapolis coming back with that L. And then we will wrap things up. Um, what do we have late? Who is, oh, Zubin Mahente, of course. It's Tuesday, Zubin Mahente, ESPN, will join us at about 1120 with Zubin. We go around the world of sports. We'll do the NFL. We'll do college basketball. Uh, nothing uh, is out of bounds with Zubin in regards to the world of sports. Look forward to having him on. So what did it for you last night in the world of sports? Well, certainly not my Jets, as Ooh. I waited 10 days to see that, and that was pathetic as well. The Philadelphia Flyers are not a good hockey team, and the Winnipeg Jets made them look like a Stanley Cup contender last night. So that's where I was early. Thankfully, uh, the Big 12 saved my night. I couldn't get into Duke-Notre Dame. No. I tried in between uh, stoppages. Um, Duke was just blowing them out. Yeah, it wasn't competitive games. So you know, the back of my mind thing. Well, that's going to change at eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. We got a couple of Big Twelve tilts. I mean, if one of them gets away, turn to the other one. Got the really, other. Yeah. yeah, I really didn't care which one. I spent the majority of my time watching. I was just convinced I was going to see some intrigue. And boy, oh boy, was I wrong. It was both bad. of these games, Trent. It was it was an ugly night overall in sports. Oh. So uh, on Mondays, I do the Hawkeye Heaven podcast out of Brew House in Altoona. And then normally after we finish up... Where is that in Altoona? Uh, Off of 8th Street? I don't even know the street. I don't know Altoona well. Okay, so 8th Street is the one with a Walmart and Claxons and Hy-Vee. Yes, you go past Mm -hmm. that and it's down there. It's a pizza place, Bordeaux. Br- it's right back behind there. There used to be a very popular bar in that um, when I worked at the track. Okay. It was a big, it was a big, all the jocks and trainers would hang out there, which is why I never went. But um, <laughs> I don't remember what it was called, but it was really popular back in the early 80s and okay. 90s. I lived in Altoona when I first came here. Sure. 30 years yep. ago, I lived in Altoona. There was nothing, Trent. If, you, if A big night out in Altoona was either the Big Steer. Do you know where that is? No. 
If you're looking, if you're at the track and you're looking out, what direction that would be east, and you kind of look a little bit to the north, mm-hmm. it, the big steer is essentially across the street from the far turn. Okay. You know, and the horse is going to the far turn. You look past the fence. Yeah. And there's a big cow. You've never seen the big cow? Yes, yes, yes. That's the big steer. Or okay. you either go there, you go the high V. I mean, Altoona had nothing back then. A little bit different. It is a little bit different. It is really, really built up. But so, uh, so normally it's, and then we finish up and watch a little Big 12 basketball and Big Monday, and it's great, and the game stunk. And, yeah. But we had uh, Tyler Kluver on the podcast oh, last night. You? He's the kid that's doing that. What's his podcast The Washed called? Up Walk-Ons. Right. We need to get him on the show. He was really good. You know, I hear that from a lot of people, yeah. uh, that they may have found something here. I just don't know. I mean, I have no idea. Are they in this to make money? No, I don't think so. I well, think good. it's more of a, a fun thing. Because I don't know how you monetize podcasts. Well, just uh, was reading an article in the Wall Street Journal on Bill Simmons. No, wait a second. You're trying to convince me you're reading the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, I'm just like your your former uh, partners. <laughs> no, please no. <laughs> no, it was a, I saw it on Twitter. I clicked on it. Oh, okay. It, it could have been from anywhere, and I would have clicked on it. Because right. it was Bill Simmons, and you know, I, I enjoy him. It was about him, but his podcast network... But in fifteen million dollars in advertising last year. How much? Fifteen million dollars. I'm guessing that's a little bit different than the podcasts you're doing, the degenerate oh, yeah. hawk. Fifteen. <laughs> so that means he's got a whole bunch of people that I've. You know, I still have never listened. I might have listened to one podcast. I don't remember what it was, mm-hmm. and I probably didn't get through it. Look, I don't listen to sports talk radio. Yeah, you're different that way. You're right. You're people in this profession. That that's. I, I enjoy podcasts. That's what mm-hmm. I listen to the most, more than even Sports Talk Radio's podcasts, because it can be very centralized. I'll listen to John and Dace talking about mm-hmm. the Big Ten, and I'll listen to you know Dylan and Alice when they get together talking Cyclones. And, Mark and Scott. Yes, it's very just popular. different kind of ways to, to it get... It doesn't slant your opinion or your take. See, that's why I don't listen to it. And, and sure. this is not a... I mean, this is a really good testimonial for the format that we love right. and, and make our living on. Well, I don't listen to sports talk. Why should you? Well, I just don't want my, I don't want to be, my opinion to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it's completely ridiculous, it's mine, and I want to put it out there and put it out there. I don't want to listen to, so, well, you know, he made this point about that, and maybe I should do that too. I think he's right. No. The only times I get upset is, hey, that was my point. I, I said and that. Great point. And, and that's another reason why, because I yeah. don't want, I want to sit down here and I know that's whatever's going to come out of my mouth. I'm not the first to say it. But, right. You know, I can't say that because so-and-so said this yesterday. Or so somebody said this this morning. i got to come up with it. No, not going to do it. Because there's, there's a little bit of ego. You come up with a coherent, salient point that you think is really good. Mm-hmm. Tell hey. me what I do. <laughs> we'll get a tote board here. Right. We'll see if we get one. And, and, and you feel good about it. And then you hear somebody else either say exactly the same Or thing. somebody comes to you. That's always annoying, too. Oh, that, that's the same point that X already uh-huh. said. I'm like, oh, man. Right. Now, I thought I had a good one. Bo- they think you're, they're boring, that you bored it right. from whoever said it for. Anyways, uh, we, we move on. Yeah, the Big 12 was bad last night. I watched Baylor, Oklahoma. I'm more convinced now that this Baylor team, and I'm going to say, it's not like I just came up with this take last night. It, I started to say this, I don't know, a couple of, two or three games back. Baylor's getting better is my point. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma, on the other hand, Trent, Look, I wasn't sure about this team. We said yesterday it's James and a bunch of guys, you know, that really don't have a Doolittle's a decent player. Um, is it Manic or Manix? Ma- yeah, Manic. Manic Brady right? Manic, yeah. He's okay. Not yeah, great. I like him. Um, but this is, this is, and when James doesn't, you know, get his, get 20, 
or whatever close to his season average, they're not going to be in many basketball games. Iowa State has yet to play them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this looks to me like you can put both of these. you got to feel pretty good about them. Yes, and going to Norman is not one of the more difficult road trips well, in the Big 12. Baylor would uh, be akin to that. They beat them by 30, as you mentioned. 77, 47. And how much, and Oklahoma, you said, was favored in this game yesterday? By five and a half. Oh I mean, not, not just like a pick em or a one-two. Right. Five and a half. Right. Substantial. Oof. 35 and a half points the wrong way on that one. Yeah, they were down 18 after 20 minutes. Down 18 after 20 minutes. Now, Baylor still has work to do. And they're tied for first in the league right mm-hmm. now. Are they Are they in Shelby's bracket? They have to be. I would guess, but that loss to Texas Southern is bad. Mm-hmm. The loss to mm-hmm. Stephen F. Austin is worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this is a team... Did the of, Iowa State win turn their season around? Oh, it looks that way. Right? It does. Uh, they... Went toe to toe with Kansas, and since then have won five straight, mm-hmm. six out of seven with that Iowa State win starting it. it this is a completely different team mm-hmm. from what you saw earlier Scott this year. Scott is a good coach, isn't he? he? He really is. Yeah, there was a lot of people questioning him when uh, when he came into the league and his use of timeouts. I remember uh, that was always one of the talking points when it came to a Scott Drew coach team. Anyways, uh, Baylor playing well, so we'll do that. Uh, we'll do that with Eric Heff coming up. We'll take a look at the Big Twelve. We'll take a look at Iowa State. Obviously, that was a huge win over Ole Miss. I'm not sure Ole Miss deserved to be ranked, but they were when the, when Iowa State played them. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, you can have the naysayers out there that once the season comes to an end, yeah, well, they were ranked when they played them. Yeah. I think it's more likely that Ole Miss falls out of the bracket than be a top five, four, five seed in right. the bracket. Yeah. If you're, if you, if those are the two, if I had to choose between those two, I would say that there was more likely they fall out as opposed to staying in. You know, the SEC as a whole, and, and we talked about it kind of last week leading into the challenge with the Big 12. Neither of us watch a ton of it. And after mm-hmm. watching them a lot on Saturday, League's not very good again. Tennessee and Kentucky are getting well. Tennessee, Tennessee's athletic. Kentucky's yes. getting better. I don't disagree with the rest of your statement, but but it felt like this was going to be a year they've invested heavily in coaches and mm-hmm. facilities and True. everything. Yeah. Or last four or five years, that football money trickling mm-hmm. in, and it felt like going into the season this was going to be that breakthrough year that suddenly they were going to be in a conference that gets eight, nine, ten teams in. I don't see that. After that top tier, and I agree with you, Kentucky's getting a lot better. Yep. They're they're trending in the positive direction. Tennessee's good, but after that, South Carolina really struggled non-conference. And they have who tonight? Tennessee, I think. They do is at that home. early? That is. I'm going to be starting at that one, I So think. Uh, that's the 530 FS1? Or is, no, it's SEC, SEC Network. Network. It's yep. SEC Network. Yes, it is. But the Mississippis, the Mississippi States, yeah. even Auburn, Florida, who you expected to be pretty good. LSU's decent. They're Decent. They're decent. Mm-hmm. And they didn't play in the challenge, right? They had a conference No, there was game. a few of them where, what, there was four of them, I don't yeah. think, that participated. Yeah, kind of weird uh, how they selected the teams to participate and who they kept out. And with the SEC being down for what it was anticipated, the Big East is down. Mm-hmm. You look across, and the talk of Pac-12. Eight, eight teams, yeah, Pac-12 might be a one big league. Yeah. Eight, from, eight of the ten in the Big 12. It's not a stretch because... You can't just look at the conference individually. It, it's not a vacuum. It's what everybody else. What does Shelby else. have? Let me see what Shelby Mast has right I would now. guess he has at least seven, if not eight. In. Uh, and I bet I would bet it's eight. Uh, from the Big 12 you're talking? Yeah. Big 12 has eight. Here's, here's, his, here's his multi-bid conferences. Big 10, as of today, and Shelby updates his bracket. This one was updated this morning. <laughs> boy, oh boy, he, this dude doesn't sleep. 5.17 a.m. <laughs> Central Time, he updated his bracket. Ten from the Big 10. Eight from the ACC, eight from the Big 12. SEC has seven, Big East four, AAC 
uh, three, two from the Pac-12. Two from the Pac-12. Two from the what? And this isn't like, this isn't, you know, Shelby's, Gannett's blogger. Mm -hmm. You know, we're lucky to have Shelby Master. Glad we came up with that or found that relationship. You Did you find him? Yes. I know I didn't. Yep. Yeah, good job out of you for that I've talked with Shelby now probably, oh, five, six years. Have you? Yeah. Because he started at the Indianapolis Star, which is a Gannett property, Mm -hmm. and then USA Today Mm -hmm. says, hey, let's take this guy. He can be our guy, and he's more from there. And people always ask, what's bracket wag? What's that mean? What's bracket wag? Wag is wild ass guess. Is that what his stands for for him? Yeah. It also stands for wives and girlfriends. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you can see that it's a big European thing with the, with the soccer players and the, ah. the soccer wags. Um, I thought a wag is somewhat of a, like a, a not a know-it-all, but um, an insider type of thing. Or doesn't doesn't wag also mean that? I don't think wag is the term you're looking for. No? No. Maybe not. Wild ass guess is what is what bracket wild ass guess. I think wonk is what you're thinking no, of. No, I don't think so. Really? Maybe. Anyways, <laughs> uh, we digress. All right, a couple of things on the NFL. Frank Schwab coming up tomorrow. Look forward Great. to that. Uh, he's in Atlanta. We'll catch up, up with uh, uh, with Frank Schwab. Cappy tomorrow. Cappy had Stan Van Gundy on his radio program earlier today, and apparently Van Gundy absolutely lit up the Chicago Bulls and their management mm. and did so over the Chicago Airwaves. So we'll we'll do that with Cappy. You know, since we're since we're talking cap and we always move to baseball, you know, spring training is what three weeks away from pitchers and catchers. Yeah, about three weeks. Mm-hmm. Machado, Harper, nothing. Kimbrel, although Kimbrel's, you see the uh, the percolating rumors out there about Craig Kimbrel. I hope the it deals with my closer. team. It indeed does. Or I wouldn't have brought it up, Trent Con. Uh huh. The Minnesota Twins. The Twins on a one year uh, market correction, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know. I hate to say this word because it's everywhere in the world now. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I know where you're going. Collusion. Yes. And we're not talking politics. Correct. We're talking Major League Baseball. We're talking Major League we Baseball. We had this exact conversation a year ago. Did we really? Yes. You know, what, because both er- of our stance is... All the teams that were sitting around, there weren't the two top-level guys, mm-hmm. but... Well, it was mostly what had to do last year with Arietta, right? That was a big part of it. Yeah. But you looked around, and, and speaking of the Twins, they signed a couple of... Mid-level free agents, but that was in March. Mm-hmm. They weren't ready, and they were terrible. By the time the season came around, are we heading down a similar path? It sure looks like it, Trent. It really does. I mean, the the big name guys. When you get to free agency, this should be well. You're going to do very well. Let's be honest. Yeah. Your 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 family's family's family. Kids 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 are going to be looked after. So you're going to be fine. But it's just it, it, it's. I think it's legit, I guess is where I'm going. I think there's probably more to this that why hasn't Harper found a home? Why hasn't Machado Kimbrell found homes? And we see over the course of this that big free agents, do they in the end, do they really pay off? They go through time and, and look at some of these big names and... Who's turned out to be a great yeah. investment? Did you think that, uh, what was his Albert name? Albert But No, well, he was too old. Do you think Tom Hicks, if he could turn the yes. clock box back, would sign A-Rod to, in Texas mm-hmm. for $252 million? Absolutely not. I don't think so. We Kevin have. Brown on the pitching side. Kevin Brown's another one. Yeah, there's been a bunch of them, haven't there? That's a good point. And with more and more, for uh, when you look at front offices, they're going to the analytical side. And the mm-hmm. analytical side says, invest in the guys young, get them at these, and don't pay for free agents. And... When you look across baseball, two-thirds of front offices are probably built that way. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you're talking about a few teams. And the problem is you get the dichotomy and you get back to you know, the level of spending of the 90s where the Yankees were outspending everybody and winning with it. Are we heading down the same path where it's just the Cubs, Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox, and that's it? I hope not. That's sure. not a good thing for it's, baseball. It's not a good thing for baseball. No doubt about it. All right, last thing, uh, real quick. Again, Frank Schwab. Uh, at some point today, I want to take a take a stab at coming up with a Hall of Fame class. The, uh, the Hall of Fame committee will meet on Saturday, as they always do before mm-hmm. the Super Bowl, and induct. I think you have to have a minimum of four and a maximum of eight every year. You know, I mean, because we've seen, was it two years ago? Not uh, maybe, maybe a few more years. Wasn't there a year where baseball didn't have anybody? Yes. Not too many years yes. ago, right? Like right. Within yeah. the last five history. years? Yeah. Didn't have anybody. Um, you know, Jeter's clearly a first slam dunk next yeah. year, but I don't know if any of the guys that got close this year will get over that 75% help. But I want to take a stab because there's three first-time eligible former players in the uh, NFL players, and I think you can make a really strong case for each and every one of them. They are Tony Gonzalez, who changed the position of tight end. That's a lock. It's a lock. It's a moral There is cinch. no way. Did he change the tight end or did Shannon Sharp, who's also in the Hall of Fame and deservedly so? Yes, absolutely. Gonzalez, I think, was even a step further. No, I do too. Maybe the evolution started with Sharp. Was he, was Gonzalez, because I remember watching Tony Gonzalez in the NCAA tournament. At Cal. At Cal. Was he the first basketball player turned football player? Yeah, I mean, and Gates was right after him. Right, right. And Gates is going to be right after, well, yes. five years down the road once he's eligible. So... Tony Gonzalez, Ed Reed, really good, really good. He's in. I think yeah. yeah. And Champ Bailey. See, of the three, and you mentioned those three to me earlier this morning. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Champ, that I, right? Yeah, I agree. Bailey, I'd have to. I'd probably have to do a little more research. I think the first two lock. Mm-hmm. And but and point being is, I'm not so sure that I could find a class. Maybe you know, if I wanted to do it, that inducted three first time eligible guys. In, in that in okay. the respective class, you know yep, what I mean? Yep. Because there's so many guys that got close last year mm-hmm. that are on the precipice. Oh, they'll get in next year. Oh, they're it's, it's they're gonna they're gonna get in for sure. This just, just wasn't their year. Well, you got three guys coming along, and I think all three of them have a legitimate case. Certainly, two of them do. Champ Bailey's mm-hmm. the one that might be on the outside looking in. We'll take a timeout. We'll do that coming up here. Maybe before we get out of here, uh, because our last segment today is going to be of the show is going to be wide open. Eric Heft, Iowa State color analyst, next. Shelby Mass, 1045. He is Gannett's Bracketologist, bracketwag.com. John Miller at 11 and Zuba Mahente at 1120. Anthony's was the bar that Anthony's, you were thinking yes of. Anthony's, yes it is. Yes. Thank you, Anthony's, absolutely. Thanks to Tony at Zenny checking in with that one. I'm sure Tony probably spent some time there. Anthony's in, uh, Anthony's in Altoona, very popular spot. So you're at Bredeau, is that where you are? Or well, you across from there? right next to it. Gotcha. And it's, uh, yeah, the brew house, number you know that, 25. That, oh, okay, I know where you are. Yep. Um, that Bordeaux was there when I moved here in '89. Oh, yeah? You ever had it? Yes. Yeah. When we lived in Altoona, we used to we used to have it. Um, you know, look, there was no pizza. There was nothing. <laughs> different world in Altoona. It's a different world. They had that made right. Hy-Vee, Bordeaux, Anthony's. We know the bar and the big steer. Or across the street was. Uh, that the Viking that burnt down. Uh huh. Yes. That was a, right by that uh, truck stop. Anyways, going back down, you know, it's been 30 years this 30 years. May since I moved here. 30 years. 30 years. What are you going to do for your anniversary? You know what? I'm going to do something, honestly. Because You're not going to sit in your basement naked and drink beer? Oh, I didn't say that. Oh, okay. Um, something yeah, I don't know more? what I'll do. I don't know what I'll do. 30- Trip to the track? 
Yeah, I might do that. You know what? Because that's brought me here. Yes. Right? Half of my life, for God's sakes. You know, let me do this real quick. Okay. Because maybe somebody can help me because I don't think you're very smart. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I'm trying to find out exactly the day that I'll be here half of my life. Okay. So on December 27th, I turned 60. Mm-hmm. On May the 24th, I moved to the United States, immigrated, uh-huh. crossed the border, papers. So when, what day in this year will I, because it's not May 24th, I'll be here half my life, because mm-hmm. that'll be 30, and I'm already 60. You know what I'm, you know where I'm going? I got you, I got you. So what day will be the boom, you've now lived in the States more than you lived in the country you were born in? I'll have to do the math, I'll get out my abacus. And you know what, so honestly, Trent, I hope you can, I have racked my brain how to solve this math problem, and it was never a strength, well, school wasn't a strength. Uh, we'll take a time out, we'll come back, uh, Eric Heff joins us next, Shelby Mast. Gannett's Bracketologist. He's Bracketwag.com, 1045. Trent and I till noon. Glad you're with us. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Gannett's Bracketologist Shelby Mast coming up for his weekly hit. Uh, in about 15 minutes or so. Right now, let's catch up with one of our good friends, Eric Heft, uh, color analyst, football and basketball at Iowa State. He joins us. Hello, Eric Heft. How are you? Uh, I'm warm. I'm inside. I'm- yeah, nice. No it's- golf today, huh, Eric? No, I, the no, courses I are closed. No, no, no. I, I'll have to pass on that one anyway. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into I want to talk, obviously, about Old Miss and the Big 12 overall. Did you guys get to spend uh, – where did you stay in Oxford? Did you get to any time on the square? And the reason I bring it up is – and I, I know I've said this a bunch, but when I, we were at the Liberty Bowl and we, we saw each other down there, my wife and I took a day trip to, from, uh, from Memphis to Oxford. I was blown away by that city. I really liked it. Did you guys spend much time in the, you know, on the square uh, last weekend? Oh, not much. You know, we got in and, and went right to practice. And by the time we got back to the hotel, which was, you know, maybe three or four blocks off the square, it was about nine o'clock. Mm. So three of us went up, and so we walked around a little bit. It was kind of chilly, yep. uh, but yeah, it, it looks really cool. And didn't get to go inside the football stadium. That looked pretty cool yeah. as well. So. Yeah, neat little town. No, it really is. Yeah, I tried to do the same thing. I uh, tried to find a door, the gate that was open by the big Eli Manning mural, but didn't happen. But what did happen was Iowa State played an exceptionally good basketball game. Here's what I loved about it: if you're Steve Prohm, the 19 turnovers. So while it was a really good game, he could find something to, you know, to you know, maybe light him up a little bit. Uh, 19 turnovers, certainly something he wasn't too happy about, but he had to be happy with about everything else, Eric. Well, I agree, and I, th- I think that's a great point about the turnovers. You know, although Ole Miss, the way they were decided to play Iowa State was going to be feast or famine. You know, if we could, once we broke through, we were going to get good shots, and we broke through a lot more than we turned it over. And so it, it, it didn't really work out that well for Ole Miss, to be honest. Sure, Iowa State needs to take care of the ball better. That's a couple games in a row. They had 14 turnovers in Lawrence the other night as well. So you got to clean that up a little bit. But I think uh, the way they're moving, moving the ball, and not just moving the ball, but the way their personnel is moving, they're, they're really moving across the floor, uh, going side to side. The ball's not sticking as much as it has at times this season. And, boy, it's a beautiful thing to watch when they're clicking. 
You know, Tyrese Halliburton has an impact of the game in terms of scoring a whole lot lately, but he does so many other things. And help us out a little bit. When you look deeper, and of course he broke your assist record, so he got, he's got that hanging over you already, but deeper than just shooting the basketball or, or making an assist, what he does on the floor, and it's, it's crazy to see this freshman and already Prome having just so much respect for him and putting him out there 35-plus minutes a night. Well, he he's a he's a great talent, you know, and I think you know he's a guy who, who is a great facilitator. Even if he's not getting assists, he's he would be getting a lot of hockey assists, if mm-hmm. you will, because he's making the pass that leads to the pass. Secondary, yep. Yeah, and so he's doing such a great job, uh, and his attitude is great. Uh, I mean, if he ends up coming off the bench at some point, it won't matter to him. He's got a, a terrific attitude. He's got the attitude of Naz Long, and mm. kind of a and kind of the skill set. Uh, of of Monte Morris, that's what the, <clears throat> Fran Fraschilla and I have talked about. That he thinks he thinks he's a young Monte Morris who's a little bit taller, uh, but you know he's got he can certainly improve defensively. Uh, he, he has take made strides there. He gets a lot of steals, but his on ball defense at times isn't as as good as it's going to be as he gets stronger. Uh, but man, what a terrific addition to this team he has been. He's been absolutely fantastic, and now it's the other freshman. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker is really starting to come back uh, into his own. Uh, that bodes really well for the future and the present. Indeed, it does. So, what when you watch Horton Tucker specifically the last couple of games, uh, the, the the game in Oxford? What are you seeing that's different? Is it confidence, Eric? I think so. You know, he's a naturally pretty confident guy. But you know, when you've had some tough had a tough stretch, I mean, I think anybody's confidence is going to be shaken a little bit. But he has enough that he was going to keep trying to do what he what he he can do. You know, he can score. Uh, he's got to be aggressive with the basketball. And I think Coach Prome and the staff have done a great job of maybe if he lost a little confidence to reinstill that in him. And but I, I see the look. You know, one of the things about being courtside, you can kind of see the look on players' faces. Sometimes that doesn't mean anything, but a lot of times it does too. I just see a more relaxed. And uh, a hint of a smile coming out of his face here these last couple of games. Uh, he's having he's back to having a lot of fun again. I think that's uh, that's a great sign. So they come out of this stretch with three of the four on the road, going three and one. With it now, it looks like the schedule eases up. Is there a concern at all about just that? You know, look ahead factors, things like that. West Virginia comes to town, and it's not the same Mountaineer team we've seen lately. No, it's not. But you know. I, I think it's a dangerous week. You know, you've got to be dialed in. I mean, it's a team that beat Kansas, and I think mm-hmm. uh, you say, okay, yeah, it was it was in Morgantown. They were also up twenty one in the second half at K State, uh, and mm-hmm. that kind of sent them down mm-hmm. the wrong path as well. Uh, the reason I mentioned Kansas in particular, though, uh, Kansas plays four guards. They don't have a lot of depth inside. Uh, you know, and it's kind of the same thing Iowa State has. You know, so. Uh, they have a recipe that could be successful, but if Iowa State comes in uh, dialed, really dialed into the game, uh, they're really good defensively. Uh, I think Iowa State should win definitely on tomorrow night. But but that, those are big ifs because in the Big Twelve and, and most conferences, game to game things can change in a hurry. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, I'm glad you brought up that K State West Virginia game. That was a remarkable game. Just that comeback and uh, just well, just remarkable. Well. <laughs> It, it saved K State season. Yeah, I mean they were about to be zero and three in the league with two home losses, 
because uh, they've been they lost the opener by 20 points at home to Texas of all, and that's Iowa State's next opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were teetering on the brink. Uh, came back, got the win, and man, they've been gangbusters, uh, save for last Saturday ever since. They've won five in a row and really, and really playing great in conference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good, excellent point. Let me ask you about a, a team that, um, you know, that Iowa State, that's one of the ones you're going to look back on the air, boy, if it would have, should have. When you're in Waco and it doesn't go your way. Now, what I've seen subsequent to that is a Baylor team that's, um, that's figured it out, Eric, quite honestly. They're playing really well last night. They went in last night into, uh, uh, into Norman and just crushed Oklahoma, as you know, beat them by 30 and never gave them a chance. Baylor's uh, arrow was pointing up. Yeah, and it's amazing because Scott Drew can't coach. Right, you know? right. I mean, yeah. it's just uh, how their players are able to overcome that, I just, I just don't know. Uh, you know, they lost Tristan Clark, and I think that was, yep. and he was a tough matchup for Iowa State. Uh, but they ran everything through him on the low block. You know, six nine guy who, who's a really good player, leading the nation in, in field goal percentage. You think, boy, lost him, and, and man, we're really hosed. But what they've done, uh, they've really freed up some of their perimeter guys. The young guy Butler, Makai Mason, is playing uh, Yale transfer. Yeah, playing just tremendous basketball right now. Uh, but Butler, all these guys are. They have much more free-flowing offense. I think the players actually like it better, mm. uh, and they're really getting after it. And they are a relentless offensive rebounding team, uh, really good rebounding at both ends. They're not big, but, boy, those guys go get it. And I think uh, they're a team to be reckoned with because they're playing with probably as much confidence or more than anybody in the league right now. When's a realistic time to start talking Big 12 regular season title? We know the behemoth that is Kansas, but – as they sit a game back, the schedule the rest of the way does set up pretty nicely. You're done uh, playing the Jayhawks. When's the time that you think that maybe that's something that should be a topic really to be talked about? Well, you can talk about it any time. Uh, but the reality is the way this league is, is jumbled up right now, and I mean, uh, who are the top teams? Who are the middle teams? I mean, it's really hard to, hard to say right now. Uh, I'd say we'll see the last regular season game is March 9th. Uh, what do you say? Texas Seventh Tech. Or eighth? Maybe we could have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll lock you in to do just that because it's going to be a heck of a race. Between... Well, I think so. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I'm with you. Kansas, K-State, Baylor, Texas Tech, Iowa State, maybe. Nah, I'm, I won't go any further than that. I think it'll yeah. be one of those five teams, but it's a five-team race, Eric. I'm in. And then you have a bunch of other teams that are – that are going to be knocking on the door. TCU didn't look good last night, right. uh, but man, they're a dangerous team. Teams Texas that have to go to teams that have to go to Fort Worth. Texas, I mean, a team that beat North Carolina, they had Michigan State on the ropes, uh, you know, <laughs> earlier in the year. I mean, beat K State by tw- by twenty in Manhattan. I mean, they have a ton of potential too. So, uh, yeah, I think the five teams have kind of identified themselves at this point. Uh, but I mean, look at Oklahoma; they they were awful last night. Yet, I mean, they're, they've been a top 25 team for a lot of the season. I think they still have a lot of talent. But, man, the thing you're hoping for as a team right now is, can I get on that four or five game winning streak? Yep. Because, man, you can get a ton of separation, uh, but it's not going to be easy to do. Eric, you've obviously been to all these buildings a multitude of times throughout the years. I, I was watching uh, Oklahoma not many people there. You watch Oklahoma State games, it's sad watching what Gallagher Iba has turned into. You know, TCU, even Texas, it just the, the fan support in the Big 12, what's the best environment taking Kansas, the Octagon of Dune out of there? Of those Southern schools, 
What's the best environment in the Big 12 right now that you see out of the Southern group? Well, right now it's, it's Texas Tech. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, after being one of the very worst, I mean, right. <laughs> I think we were talking a couple of weeks ago, we were down there the last three or four years, there wasn't a single person in the upper deck, mm-hmm. upper reaches of a beautiful arena. And man, now they're, they're selling out. Uh, they're buying into to what's going on down there. So, uh, and they're nasty too, by the way, from what, <laughs> from what I hear. <laughs> I mean, I, we have the headsets on, and the students are right behind us. I couldn't hear, but <laughs> Randy Peterson and and, Hines. and Travis, yeah. yeah, they both they both said, "Wow, those guys are nasty." So, but anyway, it's uh, it's become uh, a much different environment. I mean, kind of back to when Bob Knight had it going for a little yeah. bit there, uh, but maybe even more people than that right now. So they've sold out a few games. They say it is a beautiful arena. They've got a huge, I mean, they have 38,000 students. So uh, they're getting the students uh, to show up. And we all know what that can do to help create an environment. But it has been kind of disappointing, uh, some of the venues. I mean, Oklahoma has been up and down in terms of crowd support over the years. Uh, but Oklahoma State has not been good. You know, Baylor is typically never all that great. Uh, in terms of, of crowd, their team, and, and sometimes it belies the quality of the teams that are playing there. I mean, Baylor's had a lot of really good teams that haven't been supported all that great. Even Oklahoma, other save the Buddy Heald years, yep. it's kind of been down a little bit too. So I'm just very fortunate and happy that that I do it for Iowa State, where it's it's great just about every single game. As Blair Kirkhoff called it when we had him on last week, it's the coldest walk in the Big 12. That walk into Hilton Coliseum is going to be no picnic tomorrow, but it'll be packed like it always is. Uh, Great to talk to you, Eric. Look forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. All right, sounds good. See you guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Eric Heft, uh, analyst for Iowa State. Shelby Mass, bracketologist for Gannett, coming up next. Trent and I take you right up until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Uh, let's get right into it. Shelby Maskinet's bracketologist. You can read his daily updates at bracketwag.com bracketwag.com Shelby joins us Shelby great to talk to you again uh, Iowa State is on the five line Iowa is on the six line let's start with those two uh, Iowa State a really nice win at Old Miss Iowa falls to Minnesota what did either of those two their most recent games do if anything uh, to your bracket oh I hit the wrong damn button oh no god I do it once a week don't I that was such a good question, too. It, it, it was. You had, it, you had it teed up. Yeah. All right. Fill a little bit. I will. I'll fill a little bit. Uh, Shelby's one seeds, by the way. I think you could probably figure them out, although I would have missed. I'll be honest. I did not have Michigan making their way back onto the one seed. Maybe I should have. They play tonight, Ohio State. So we'll get a look at Ohio, uh, at Michigan taking on the Buckeyes prior to their trip to Iowa City on Friday night. Anxious to see the crowd, the attendance, what that does. A Friday night game uh, at Carver. Uh, Shelby's back with us. Shelby, my apologies. My fault. I, I hit the wrong button. Uh, did you hear my question I, regarding Iowa, and Iowa State, their most recent Iowa State beating Old Miss, Iowa falling to Minnesota? What, if anything, did that do? Uh, Iowa has dipped a little bit, and not only because of their own games, but other teams around them have kind of stepped up and forced me to move them ahead. 
they're still pretty securely in my bracket right now. I've got Iowa State on the five line and Iowa on the six line. Uh, I, you know, two in a row for Iowa losses, Michigan State and that Minnesota. I don't think the committee's going to turn their nose up at those. Those are, you know, Michigan State's a very, very good team, and on the road at Minnesota, uh, any road conference game is is a tough game, and they won't put too much on them for that. You know, Shelby, a, a lot of talk this year with the change from the RPI to the net rating, and you know, speaking of a team like Iowa, they're 28th in the net rating. In the past, it wasn't completely married to the RPI the way that the bracket came together, but how different has it been? And, and the NCAA, this is their metric. They came up with this. Do you feel like early on they're going to rely on it, maybe even more than they did the RPI in the past? I, I, I'm clueless right now how they're going to handle it because the RPI was just used as a sorting tool. They, it wasn't their Bible. I know RPI was everywhere, but they just went back to it for as a guide. And if they use the net the same way, I don't see there's going to be too terribly much change. But if you look at a team like Kansas, who's a very, very good team and absolutely in the discussion for a one seed, they have been hurt because they've had so many close games. Uh, the net seems to reward teams for blowing out smaller schools, even Division two schools. I've seen teams rise 20 spots for beating a Division two school by 40 points mm. because of their efficiency rating. Uh, those games don't count in the RPI, and they're not supposed to count on the record for net. But in the efficiency ratings, it seems that they still are. So uh, another team like North Carolina State, they're hovering around 30 in the net. They're not even in the top 100 in the RPI. So it's going to be interesting to see how this is all played out in the end. Well, they got a chance tonight to uh, to open some eyes. They ho- they host Virginia, right? That they host Virginia tonight, which should be a terrific uh, terrific basketball game. So Shelby, is it does this make it harder for you and people like you, bracketologists, trying to figure this new system out? Is it is it harder? Or does it make it easier for you? I, I think it makes it harder only because of the unknown. We don't know what the committee is going to value the most from this net formula. Uh, they've spent the last seven, eight years trying to preach transparency. You know, here's here's what we use. Here's how we arrive at this this number, this formula, whatever. And everything's hidden this year. So I, I mean, I've talked to several other guys in my position, and we're we, we're kind of going like we did uh, with the RPI, basing it on basically your strength of schedule. You know, who you played, where'd you play them, how'd you do, how many good wins do you have, etc. And I, I've got to believe that the committee is going to kind of look at it the same way with just a different sorting tool. Talking with Shelby Mass, bracketologist for USA Today. Find his work at bracketwag.com. Shelby, uh, another kind of housekeeping question for you. And that deals with non-conference strength of schedule. It's something in the past I know a lot of people talked about. But now with 20 conference games in the Big Ten, 18 in a lot of the other major conferences, how big of a deal is non-conference scheduling compared to maybe just even three, four years ago? I think it's becoming a bigger deal, and I think some of the talking heads don't like that. I know I've heard Jay Billis say before, who I am a fan of, but he said that you know, why do they even care about what the non-conference is? Well, they care because those are games that those schools, they have the chance to challenge themselves at a conference. If you're in a bigger conference, you know you're going to have a pretty tough schedule, so you don't have to worry about that. But your non-conference, when you have a chance to bolster things, if you do that, the committee usually rewards you. If you don't, they penalize you. The Big Ten now has fewer opportunities to do that. I want to ask you about Baylor, uh, who just, as we saw last night, just blew out Oklahoma. 
what kind of uh, arc, I guess, has Baylor had since they started on this little run? And it seems that you can, you know, pinpoint the win at home over Iowa State as maybe the, you know, the first step on the process that they're on right now. But Scott Drew has this team playing very well. Uh, how big of a movement have they made? They're on the nine seed today. Where were they before this little run that they went on? Do you remember that, Shelby? I do because I didn't have them in my bracket. There you I go. Didn't think they were. I didn't think they were that close. They had home losses to Texas Southern and Stephen F. Austin. Those are teams that are not in the top 225, and those were home games. And then coming into conference play early on, they lost their second leading scorer. So I was real close to kind of just writing them off and saying, "Hey, they're done." But holy cow, have they turned things around? And like, Oklahoma's a good team. You go to Oklahoma and win by 30. That's saying something right there. Uh, I. If they can keep this up, they they could uh, end up six five six range maybe. I don't expect it with those bad losses, but if they just keep rolling through, then yeah, they'll be in the talk for that. Well, we are uh, getting closer and closer, just a few days away from February, and that's when people really start to lock in. And it seems like at that time. It's always, you know, this is the weakest bubble that there's been mm. in years. It seems that that conversation comes up each and every year. Does the overall field and putting it together, does it feel much different to you? Uh, it does a little. Last year, I know me and several others discussed that there would be teams that got left out that had legitimate cases for being in. It was a pretty strong bubble. We had a lot of teams to choose from. I'm at a point right now where I'm just trying to find some reason to put some team in. And I, as I did over the weekend, I put I had to drop Arizona out. They've got to win over Iowa State, but that's about it. And they keep getting killed to teams that they shouldn't lose to if they're that good. So I drop them out and put Central Florida in, and then they go out and lose by 20, and they really don't have anything great on their schedule. So right now I've got North Carolina Greensboro in as my last team. Wow. There's nothing overly spectacular, but they're 19-3 and overall. Their losses are at LSU by 6, at Kentucky by 16 or 17, and they lost a stinker at home to Wofford, but Wofford is the leading team in the, the Southern Conference. So that's three losses to pretty good teams. Uh, and they do have a quad one win. So I've got them in right now. I, I'm, I'm I'm feeling okay about it. There's just not too many other teams to choose from. Hmm. Should Husker fans be feeling okay about their team, where they're at right now? Copeland is out. Big game. They host Wisconsin tonight. Natives are restless on uh, on Tim Miles. Apparently the AD, Bill Moose, they, there was uh, some statement put out. Apparently there was some rumors that flying around that, uh, they, they may be shopping for a new athletic director. That doesn't have anything to do with this team, but you know they're a ten seed right now. Copeland out for the year. Where are you on the Huskers? Yeah, they, I had them higher. I've had them up to, uh, as high as a five seed, and they're they need some wins. They, tonight would be a big one. They're, they're I don't want to say they're running out of opportunities because the Big Ten's pretty deep, so they will have opportunities. But take advantage of them when you have them. Uh, I don't want to say they're in an Indiana free fall, but they're not getting wins like they need to get. And uh, if they're not careful, they can play themselves out. Speaking of the injury to Copeland, how important is it the way that they play the rest of the year? And are they not completely evaluated, but how much will they be evaluated the way they play without him since that's the team they're going to be in the NCAA tournament? If that's the team that they will have going into the tournament, that's where the most emphasis will be, not what they did with him. Those games will factor in some, but the committee will look at what is the team going into the tournament if they get there, and if they don't have a very good record without him, then that that, that could hurt them.
Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com, BracketWag.com. Shelby, I appreciate you being versatile. Uh, you'll join us Wednesday next week as Trent and I have uh, 30 minutes of airtime. We have to make way for the Iowa Wolves little G League game going to bump us off the air next uh, Tuesday. So we'll talk to you next Wednesday. We'll read you at BracketWag.com and all over the Gannett papers. Thank you, Shelby. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me as always. Yeah, good to talk to you. Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com, BracketWag.com. Trent. Yes. Some Bryce Harper news. News? Has it been confirmed? Do we know? Uh, I haven't I haven't been on Twitter. I have, and I haven't seen anybody in the news we're talking about is apparently there has been some movement with one of the two uh big names that are still uh, on the free agent shopping lists. Uh Bryce Harper to the Phillies. I mean the Phillies were gonna sign one of them. That was that's been the talk. Uh, throughout the entire offseason. There was even some talk that they were going to sign them both. But Mike Trout's free next year. Mike yeah. Trout's a Philadelphia guy. Mm. Mike Trout is an Eagle season ticket holder. Yes, he is. Right? If, I, if I'm an Angels fan, mm, you know, I'm pretty nervous, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I I, I think it's... It would be awful a... if he left. It would be terrible if he left to L.A. I mean, would it... Yeah, I like guys that that break in and have a huge impact on a franchise. I want him to. What, stay. what impact does he have on that franchise? Well, they haven't. I mean, he's the he's the reason you buy a ticket to yeah. see them. But just he's the face of that franchise. Better put better than impact face of the franchise. I like faces to stay with the franchise. Maybe you like Kirby Puckett staying yeah, with Minnesota? Cal Ripken with the yeah. with the Orioles. You know, Pujols with the whoops. Um, you know, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Old school like that, maybe. I want Trout. I you ra- you want Trout? I, I'd rather see Trout in Philadelphia because well, I'd actually course, get to see America- him. Why? I, West Coast baseball. Yeah, I don't watch a whole lot of Angels. Excellent point. But I'm flipping around at six o'clock on a mm-hmm. summer evening, and mm-hmm. all right, let's see Trout's mm-hmm. first at bat. All right, he's coming up. See you on Twitter. Yeah, that's a good point. It's tough to watch a first pitch nine fifteen. Right. Yeah, fair point. Fair I'm point. in. How much? Any word? I on... haven't seen money. No, and it's it's. There's been nothing. None of the big name writers. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of Philadelphia. I haven't seen numbers, but that's the rumor. Apparently, they are dotting eyes, maybe crossing T's with a Bryce Harper to the Phillies, maybe soon as today. Anyways, John Miller's as soon as well when we come back for break, and then Zuba Mahente at eleven twenty. Trent and I leave the last segment open. As we stay here until noon, it's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.